Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Robbie Falk from 24-7 Sports, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. Now, get ready for Thunder and Lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk here with you on a Monday morning. Thanks for joining us at supertalk.fm or wherever it is that you get podcasts from. Appreciate all you guys out there, our great listeners, especially our servicemen and women out there taking care of us. I want to thank our sponsors over at College Corner, collegecornerstore.com. That's the place to find maroon and white merchandise you can't find just anywhere else. It's only at College Corner. This holiday season, when you're shopping for the Bulldog fan in your life, hit them up at College Corner. Two locations in the Jackson area, Ridgeland by Fleet Feet, Floyd by the Half Shell, or shop online at collegecornerstore.com. I was at Restaurant Tyler on Friday night, and buddy... Fantastic. Had a steak, mac and cheese, crawfish dip. I had to be talked out of dessert. I was going, man. I was going stuffed pancakes. It was going to happen. But but everybody else wanted to leave. And I, I I will hold that against them until the day I die. I just want to let you know that. Everybody, if you're listening out there, if you were part of that dinner party, just know. Just know. And of course, the place was packed. A lot, of, a lot of Georgia fans in there as well, as you might well imagine after this past weekend. But great to see the downtown businesses thriving, especially Restaurant Tyler, uh, one of our flagship restaurants here in the Starkville area. It's been there a long time. It's going to be there a long time because it is the best dining experience in the city of Starkville. Hitting up Firehouse Subs for lunch, always a great idea. Get Firehouse Subs free app, download it, use it. You place an order, it's ready really, really fast. And not only that, you're piling up reward points every single time you place an order. So you get free sandwiches really fast. And in this day and age, who doesn't love free sandwiches? Locations in Starkville and Oxford, Columbus, Tupelo, Floyd, Madison. That is Firehouse Subs. Georgia 45, Mississippi State 19. A game that if I think we're being totally honest, Robbie, nothing truly surprising came from it in terms of the result, in terms of the way the game was played. In terms of the way Mississippi State played, I think it, it all kind of went according to the script that you and I would have thought it was going to happen. Uh, some 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 bright spots for sure, but a whole lot of problems as well. And now two games remain in this season. And in reality, Robbie, one game remains in this season for Mississippi State. So we say all that to say this. What happened Saturday night in Davis Wade Stadium? One man knows. Tell him, Falk. Well... <laughs> We're back to that, Brian. We're back to that. I, I hate seeing State lose, but knowing that I get the funny, well, it makes me laugh every time. You know, a few weeks ago, we were called emotional. We were. We were called, you know, out of touch. We were, called, we were given knee-jerk knee reactions to that Kentucky game. Mm-hmm. And turns out, everything we said was true, including the thing that you admitted was probably a little emotional. The punting? About the punting. <laughs> I mean... I mean, we absolutely nailed it. And it is... We, we, we saw something bubbling there. It's almost like, you know, what we saw when Mississippi State went to Kentucky in 2018. Mm-hmm. When, when we started to 
see some chinks in the armor of Jim Moorhead. A lot of what we saw in that game uh, in Kentucky really exposed Mississippi State's issues uh, with that head coach. And I think that we saw the same thing against Kentucky this year. And we said uh, when I was when we did tell him Falk that day, I said this was called an emotional response that Mississippi State, as long as Mike Leach is here in these big games, um, is not going to be effective with this offense. Mm-hmm. I, d- I don't think that Mississippi State is going to win games like this. Mm-hmm. I think when Mississippi State has a big moment pop up with Mike Leach as the head coach. It's not going to go well for Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. That's where I am right now. That's what I firmly believe. And until my uh, take uh, is in some way diminished, then I will continue to believe that. But Mississippi State comes out in this ball game, and we see the same things that we've seen for the last four weeks. And you know, some of the responses is, well, it's Georgia, number one team in the country, and I think that's a very valid thought. Mm-hmm. I think Mississippi State losing a game to Georgia by three or four touchdowns is not that surprising. When you look at the two rosters, when you look at the fact that Georgia is a monster at this stage, they're playing at uh, as as good a level as anybody else in the entire country right now. Uh, I think you can be that upset about Mississippi State losing the game, but it's the fact that for four straight ball games, Mississippi State has looked like this on offense. That is very concerning. I don't think the Georgia game has really changed anything in that regard. I don't think there there was nothing that was really revealed in that game that we didn't already know. Mississippi State is struggling on the offensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. And again, what did we talk about all last week? Mississippi State's inability to establish a running game is going to make for a difficult offense to run every single time. They ran the football 14 times in this game, and uh, Dylan Johnson, obviously not healthy. Uh, He had six carries for nine yards, but Jaquavius Marks, when he touched the football, was very good. 41 yards on seven carries, six yards a rush. That's very good. They had eight carries for 45 yards from the two healthy running backs, Simeon Price and Jaquavius Marks. I thought that was good, but State just never really tried to establish the run. You're asking, and we're gonna, I'm sure we're going to get to this, Will Rogers, not playing at, 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 a, at an extremely high level right now, but again, you were asking him to be perfect in games like this, and that is not a recipe for success in the SEC, to put that, uh, that much on a, on a starting quarterback. And that's what this offense does. Everything that he does is, ex- is exposed in this offense, the way that Mississippi State has to run it. And um, you got to execute at an extremely high level. State didn't. The wide receivers did not execute very well. Uh, I thought the offensive line was okay. But it was just – it was brutal to watch on the offensive side of the ball. Again, State – I mean, you look at this game, and Georgia had 45 points. So mm-hmm. it's hard to really prop up the defense – but again, did enough in this game to give you a chance early on, and State just could not overcome it. So, you know, it, we're, we're right back to where we are every week when we're on this show talking about this season hinges on the Egg Bowl, this season hinges on the Egg Bowl, this season hinges on the Egg Bowl, and that's exactly where we are again. 
if Mississippi State wins that Egg Bowl and they get to eight wins, which we're assuming they're going to beat East, East Tennessee State, mm-hmm. I think everybody is perfectly fine. Yeah. I really do. I think if State goes to Oxford and wins that game and they win eight regular season games, there's not a whole lot you can be upset about. But as it stands right now, I think people can see the future and see that that game is going to be very difficult for Mississippi State because of how this offense is being run right now. And it's it's really – it's kind of a, a buzzkill considering this is year three and you're expecting that step forward and we just haven't seen it this year. And it, it's even not even so much about the record as you're seeing the offense go backwards. You know, yeah. if this team was six and four, but they were just putting up points all over the place and the defense was just not as good as you, as you thought it was going to be. And not, not to say that the defense has been great, but, you know, if they were losing these games 45, if they had lost Saturday night 45 42, everybody's, you know, what no problem, right? Because you hired an offensive head coach and you're getting the offense and you, you know, you're losing the games you thought you'd lose, but you're not losing them the way you thought you'd lose. You know, nobody expected Mike Leach in year three to still be struggling to try to find some offense uh, for his team. So good point. It's just a painful, it's, it's a painful it offense to watch. Well, we talk about it. This is entertainment. At the end yeah. of the day, for for a lot of people, right? And these games are they're not entertaining to watch. It's not no. entertaining to watch your team go three and out, and you know it's not entertaining to watch a quarterback not be able to throw the ball more than twenty yards down the field. It's not entertaining to watch a, a running back do some good things and then not be given the ball for two quarters. Sometimes it, it's it's not. Nobody wants to watch that. So tough. And, sell. and and I thought that Spencer Hall said it best when he said he was going to turn on Mississippi State to watch him throw it 60 times and score nine points. Yeah. I mean, that's where it is. I mean, there's just no no juice behind this. Mike Leach is not exciting as a coach. He doesn't do anything to pump up the fan base. The offense is very boring. It's not not an offense that can have any kind of sustained success against really good defenses. It's very easy – for teams with with good defensive coordinators and really good players to stop. So it's just it's very it's a very tough situation that Mississippi State's in right now because they're not losing at a high rate, but they're not doing anything exciting and they're just kind of in the middle of being bad and good. Mm-hmm. And to me that is the worst thing for us. <laughs> To have a mediocre team, a team that's not, not that doesn't stink or that is not great, you yeah. know. Yeah. So uh, I don't really know. I, I don't know where the the state of this program is right now. I, I still believe everything has has continued to go on the same exact path that we basically predicted preseason, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it just you you continue to think about that egg bowl and how big that ball game is, and nice. that's where I think that's where the crossroads will be for Mississippi State this year. I agree. I agree with you 100%. All right. You know what time it is. These are the things that are true. I've only got 10 of them this week. You might have thought there'd be a lot more, but there just aren't because first off, first and foremost, the game went the way we all thought it was going to go, right? I mean, we we all thought Mississippi State was going to lose. We all thought that Georgia would be able to move the football. We all thought that Georgia would be able to slow Mississippi State down or, or, or stop them completely. That's exactly what happened. So let's just jump in. Number one, this is the... Maybe of all, all the years I've been doing things that are true, this might be the truest one. I wish I had said it first, but I, I give credit again to Rob Hadaway. But we're all still just mad about Kentucky. We're all still mad about that. Losing to Georgia isn't the reason anybody is upset. 
Losing Alabama mm-hmm. is not the reason anybody's upset. Losing to LSU, maybe that's the reason you're a little bit upset, but it is still LSU, and they've proven over the past few weeks that they're a pretty decent football team. What we've learned now is that Kentucky's a bad football team, and State went up there, and not only did they lose, but they played. Again, if State had lost to Kentucky because Will Levis was just up there dropping bombs and really looking like that number one pick some people said he was going to be, and you lose, you know, 42-38, I think everybody's like, well, okay. But you go up there and you play the way that you did in that game and you just drop a complete stinker. It's tough to swallow, especially now that you see how bad Kentucky uh, truly is. So that's what everybody's mad about. If State was 7-3 and three right this second, they'd be ranked in the top 20, and you would be thinking, okay, they're going to be 8-3 and three going to the Egg Bowl. They got a great chance to win that game. You know, and, and but instead, here we are. That game has completely spoiled Mississippi State's season. And we, yeah, no. this is goes back to something we've been talking about. Talking about with Mike Leach and elevating the program, Robbie. These those kind of games, they tank you. They tank your season. The Memphis game last year tanked Mississippi State. That state was not up to play LSU the way they should have been next week. They were still reeling from playing that loss to Memphis. And it, it's the, that loss, I mean. Even if you take away the, the missed field goals and everything else that that you know you, you lost to Arkansas on and you lost to, to to LSU on, if you just beat Memphis, you're eight and four at the end of the year. You're not in the Liberty Bowl. You're in a better bowl game, and and maybe it's a little different. Maybe I mean even at eight and four, people are probably like, wow, they went from four wins to eight wins. That's pretty good. Mike Leach has got it going there. But you lose to Memphis, and it it corrupts everything along the way. Kentucky has corrupted everything else this season. And, and and it's just it's just ruined it for Mississippi State. Yeah, and I wish people could have a conversation like seeing the big picture mm-hmm. because there's so many people that are like, well, did you expect us to beat Alabama and Georgia and stuff like that? And you know, it's always tough for us to go to Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's not really the 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 whole point is this is year three for a head coach. This is supposed to be you're supposed to be taking a step every year, and the reason people are so upset is because they see how how much meat is on the bone for Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. This isn't a program that you can that that you just have to be happy with six or seven wins. This program is fully capable of competing well above its head. You just mentioned it a while ago. If Mississippi State doesn't lose to a, a mediocre to bad Memphis team, that team wins eight games in, in the regular season. And then you start talking about a couple of other games there. There's just some inexcusable losses in the past two to three years that completely changes the trajectory of Mississippi State's program if they're able to win it. And I no, I don't expect Mississippi State to beat Alabama or Georgia, but I expect Mississippi State to to look a lot better than they have against those two teams and against Kentucky. I picked Mississippi State to lose to Kentucky preseason, but knowing what we know now about that team – who has lost at that stadium to South Carolina and Vanderbilt, and Mississippi State could barely even move the football. I mean, I that that to me is is very telling, and it's it's a major problem for for the Bulldogs in its current state. And for whatever reason, they just can't get over the hump and become a contender. Because the last two years, this team was this, this program is perfectly capable of being in the top part of the SEC West. Yeah. I mean, they finished fourth last year, and again, we've mentioned it so many times, a good kicker away from being second, you know, right there with Ole Miss at 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 ten and two, but it just it didn't pan out. 
last year I'm willing to forgive. It was year two, right? You know, right. had some growing pains, but gosh, they went from four wins to seven. And and Rodgers went from I don't think this is the guy to he's a he's moving the ball. Offense looks good. He's going to continue to get better. Taking a big step back. That now that, that leads us into uh to number two, really, which is number two. The book is just out on Will Rogers. It's it's obvious how to defend him, and his ceiling has been found. I I don't see Will Rogers continuing to improve. I thought he got better every game last year. You know, he was he was he was better and better and better. This year, he started off really hot. The first six games, State's 5-1. and one. The running game's working, and it's opening everything up for Will Rogers, and he's doing a great job. Kentucky gave the blueprint on how to stop Will Rogers, and now it's out, and I don't see how he's going to continue to get better. Well, I mean, again, I think this all derives with the offense. Mm-hmm. I, think the, I think it begins and ends – with the scheme that Mississippi State has, mm-hmm. agree. Um, because you are you are exposing the weaknesses of your quarterback in this offense. Mm-hmm. We've heard all along that this is a quarterback friendly offense. You know, it's you're going to put up huge numbers in this offense as a quarterback and all that. But right now, they're doing nothing to aid Will Rogers with with how this offense is is called and how this offense the scheme itself sets up. You're putting all the pressure on him because you're passing the football 60 times and you're not willing to have an offense mm-hmm. where you adjust to what you see defensively. Um, and, you know, okay, well, you see four or five guys in the box. Install install some different aspects of this offense beyond just, you know, a, a couple of plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, put in some read option in this offense. Put in the – run the speed option a little bit more. Run, you know, we didn't, we, we kept hearing about, um, you know, there were some wrinkles they were throwing in this week with, with yeah. Tulu. They ran that, that little toss on the jet. It was kind of a jet sweep toss forward mm-hmm. play. At once, defense didn't get anything. Out. Yeah. Throw, throw it away. So, I mean, that, I mean, can you imagine running, you know, the read option with Will and like a third or third or fourth and one and they know he's not going to run and he just pulls it? Yeah. He's going to get the first down. I mean, that's a, I mean, that's a better fourth-and-one play call than throwing the ball behind the line of scrimmage. To me, yes, Will Rogers has a ceiling, and that's something that I feel like we have uh, talked about since 2020. Mm-hmm. There's a certain level that, as far as his ability, that he can get to, and that's probably it. But you're not doing him any favors. Mm-hmm. You're not putting him in the position to succeed. Mm-hmm. So, to me, it begins and ends with, with – the scheme and the coaching staff mm-hmm. not doing what they have to do to oh, make I, this I, offense work. And I agree with everything you're saying. No, no yeah. question about it. I think offensively state is very, very limited by what they, by what Mike Leach wants to do offensively, but, but will Rogers, his limitations don't help them either. So there's no, there's just a lot going on. Let me ask you something. And maybe this is something, if you're a coach listening in, feel free to tweet at me and tell me if I'm wrong, but that little jet sweep with Tuli, right? They really haven't shown that motion all year of him coming across the formation. Isn't that a play where you should let him come across a few times and you don't give him the ball? Absolutely. That, to set there, that there's play so up? Much more, there's so much more they can do in, in terms of eye candy. Mm-hmm. Again, this is all scheme stuff. This is all you know pre-snap, the, the flow that they have offensively. It doesn't do anybody any favors. You let the defense get set. Mm-hmm. Everybody gets set in their spot. Nobody mm-hmm. really moves around 
pre-snap to create some eye candy, kind of draw the defense. Uh, you know what it way. reminded me of a lot when State uh, in Crooms last year when they pulled the redshirt off of Arcedo Clark and the secret weapon, right? And went to Alabama, and then you know the first like quarter he doesn't play. They bring him in in the second quarter, and they immediately do a play very similar to that, right? Now, he's come on the field for the first time. Croom's been talking him up, and so Alabama keys on him, and the State had not done anything to that point to make them think this was misdirection. They were just going to fake the handoff, and everybody knew he was getting the ball. So what do you think that play did? It was like loss of five, right? Sort of the same thing here. State has not done anything all year to make you think he's not getting the ball. As soon as he came in motion, I was like, he's getting the ball. Everybody knew it. So there's it's, it's be... kind of like when they line up and it's like third and one, and you know they're going to run the dive. Right. And uh, at least in that not... is if that's a play. Like at least if you execute it right and you block, you can get a yard. Yeah. But that jet sweep. I mean, you've got to have that set up where they think, okay, you're bringing a guy in motion, and it's he's not. It's not anything to it. It's just a little eye candy, and then all of a sudden he's got the ball. Now, if I'm wrong on that again, if you're a coach and you're listening, please tell me that I'm wrong. But that's just how the, I see it. No, no, I, I agree with you completely. I think there's some eye candy that you could use offensively that's going to keep a defense off balance. Mm-hmm. And I, I still contend that they should be running more tempo. Oh, I, I, I don't think just getting set and, you know, looking back to the sideline for the play, walking up to the center, making sure he doesn't snap it and stuff. Like, I don't think that does you any favors. I think the best that this offense is is when it's running with tempo and also when it's trying to establish a running game. It's just, they're just not really uh, doing it. And another thing is, you know, this whole – I feel like we're beating this horse to death, but, you know, you are where they where they say you are as far as a, a position at wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Tulu is just out on the on the, the outside just kind of running routes and can't get open or whatever, can't be seen. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got to do something with your personnel that's going to – and I'll say the strength in your strengths. Mm-hmm. You highlight your strengths. You, you've got to get the ball in in uh, good situations for guys like Tulu and Ra Ra and those and those players that can take the top off the defense that can break big plays because the current the the current setup is is not working. And um, you know I. Th- We'll we'll see against East Tennessee State. State will throw for 500 yards. They'll put up 50 points or whatever. But that game, nothing that happens in that game that's good for Mississippi State really matters. Yeah. Um. I'm. It's not going to change anybody's mind. We're going to see how this offense looks at a critical point against Ole Miss. Yeah. And um. You know, I, I'm not expecting a a, a a Georgia defense from Ole Miss, but that's a defense that can scheme it up pretty well, and mm-hmm. they have some athletes out there. So. State's got to find something to change it up. Yeah, I agree. Uh, number uh, three, 14 carries, 51 passes. No chance. No chance to win. That's If that's the numbers, no chance to win. No chance. I mean, you just don't, you don't have any way of winning the football game if you're going to, if that's your run pass ratio. It, it's just not, it's not doable. It's just not doable anymore. And there was a time last year, when you could get away with that, when teams weren't bringing pressure the way they were, you let Rodgers have 51 attempts and he'd probably complete 37, 38 of them for 375, 400 yards. Not anymore. Not anymore. Teams, are, have, like I said, they've got the book on him. They know they can pressure him. 
that make him roll out. And we talked about this last night, Robbie. Will Rogers, when he rolls out, he's running away. He's not running towards the line of scrimmage or parallel to the line of scrimmage. He's putting himself where he has to throw it 20 yards to complete a three-yard pass. I mean, he's he's not right right now. Rodgers isn't. But like you said earlier, nobody's doing anything to help the kid because you're running the ball 14 times and throwing it 51. That that's just saying Will Rogers win the game for us. That's what's being said. Yeah. He's he's not able to do it. And again, we we've said it time and time again. If it's if the whole situation is, well, you know, he has autonomy, he can do that. That's a problem. If you're putting everything on his shoulders and it's not working, that is a problem. So I, you know, I keep hearing that. Well, Will's calling the plays. Will has the ability to check check down this and that. Then take it away from him. If if it's not working, then the coaches have to step in. All right, guys, here's what we're going to run right here. Will, don't check it down. We're going to run this. If that's if it's his fault, don't put it on his shoulders. Mm-hmm. Put it on yours. Go yeah. win the game. Yeah. But that's what we've seen are the last four games. He he had. Let's see. One, two, three, four hundred yard games in the first six games. Mm-hmm. Uh, three four hundred yard games, and he had five three hundred plus games. Right. The only bad the game last, he had was LSU. In the last four games, he's thrown for over three hundred yards once. Yeah. And that was against Auburn. Was against Auburn. And in that game, there were stretches where, where the team was really bad. Yeah. So, and then he's got two touchdowns and uh, combined. In the other three games, Kentucky, Bama, and Georgia, mm-hmm. um, it's just right now, it's not good. It's just not good. Yeah. And and like I said, if it's if that's a Will Rogers thing, and he's making all the calls, he's uh you know he he's making the bad decisions or on third down or whatever. If that's the case, then that's on Mike. That's on Mike Leach to fix. That's on Mike Leach to to make sure it doesn't happen. And right now it's I, I don't know who's to blame, but I think it's I think it goes around to a lot of different people. I I just I refuse to blame uh Will Rogers for everything that is wrong with Mississippi State's offense. I agree. I agree with you. You can't put all the blame on him. The problem is, like you've just said, you put all the pressure on him. So that's just where it is right now, man. That's just that's just where it is. And there's 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 no answer to it. There's just this is what Mike Leach is going to do. And there's no getting him to do otherwise at this point. All right, let's move forward here. Number four on the uh, the things that are true. Special teams are so weird at Mississippi State. It is really, really weird. Brandon Walker made this point last night. Do you see when you watch other football teams, do their punts look like states' punts? No. Not in the like, power five. It doesn't look like like it's just weird, right? And then you have I think you have maybe the two best return guys in the country. And that's great. That part of your special teams is fantastic. I got no complaints with Tulu and Xavion. But the, and, and I'll, I'll say this Biscardi seems to have gotten every you know, worked out the kinks. And now he's kicking the ball and he's 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 doing a good job. And now it's the punting that's the problem, which was weird because it was so good in the early part of the season. Yeah, I have no clue what happened. I have no clue what happened. Yeah. Well, why, why are they running with the football and kicking it? 
They've gone to the rugby style kind of thing, yeah. And it doesn't work. Yeah. George Diopolis averaged 22 yards a punt against Kentucky, mm-hmm. 35 against Auburn, 36 last night. That's not good. It's not good enough. I, I, I don't understand. You're not alone. I, I said it. I said it, and I'm not. I'm not just picking on Georgeopolis. I mean, this might be a coaching problem. Uh, Eric Mealy, I don't. I don't know if he's telling them to do this or what. But in a str- just straight punting the football, if they put Ethan Pulliam from Starkville High School out there right now, mm-hmm. I I promise you, he does not have a. 32-yard punt and a 27-yard punt, which is what we saw last night. Yeah. I, I guarantee that doesn't happen. Yeah. But that's just where – and, a, you know, this is a, this is a guy – coming back to what you, you were just about to say right there. It's just where they are. It, it, it really is. I mean, it's 10 games in the season, Robbie. It, it really is just where they are. And it, I told you last night, like I sat down I was, I, and I said, every game – I think every single game this year – Maybe not Kentucky. Every single game they've had a spectacular special teams play and a bad special teams play. I think uh, there might that might not be you know every single game, but it seems that way. Mm-hmm. And the punters, you said it earlier. First of the year, they were outstanding. We talked about it on here. You know, state special teams might have some issues, but not a punter. But that's where it is right now. But now you have you know the kicking situation has really. Uh, increased for Mississippi State. I think Massimo Biscardi has really settled in. Mm-hmm. He's five of seven now on the season, and one of those was kind of an improbable kick for him, a 56-yarder for the game um, last week. But then you have, you know, the kick returner is is one of the best in the country. Xavier Thomas, we feel like he can take it back at any point. So your two returners are outstanding, and you just you seem to have one of these, you know, inexcusable plays every single game on special teams too it's just the it's beyond the weirdest thing i've seen it's just at least it's, it's better than i guess just being putrid at everything in special mm-hmm. teams but you you kind of would just like to be good at good at all of it instead of wondering when is the when is the you know special teams gaffe coming in this game that's going to make everyone sc- sc- yell into their screen pillow like your cousin has on his couch. <laughs> it's coming though. You feel like it's coming every every minute. Like I said, at least they they I, the return game really good, and they they seem to have gotten the kicking taken care of. Now it's 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 about the punting, and uh, with a team that punts as often as Mississippi State seems to these past few weeks, need to get that uh, taken care of. Number five uh, defensively. I, I don't want to use. There's a thing on TikTok that goes around, so it's just. It, I'll just. I'll just change it a little bit. I won't use the curse word, but sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe bad. <laughs> it's just it's sort of where it is right now. I, you know, again, I, I'm not going to put the loss on the defense. You know, there's nothing they can do when the offense isn't doing anything for them. But and they made some big stops. They they forced a couple of turnovers. They should have forced another one that was taken away from them. But at the same time, and let's just go ahead and go into the to number six here because it plays into it, is that State has got to get some more sideline-to-sideline side speed on defense. Where yeah. State suffers is, like, if you just want to run right up the – if you want to run up the middle, if you want to play power with Mississippi State, they can stop you, right? Cam Young, Crumity, 
Johnson and Watson in the middle, those guys are built to take on runs up the middle. They'll do it all day, and they'll, they'll usually be successful. But when you run the ball on the perimeter, when you get out wide, that's where they suffer. Jed Johnson and Nate Watson not get great at getting out and getting wide. Um, state safeties are not as fast as other safeties in the conference. You know, They just don't have that perimeter defense that they need. And so that's something, you know, we've talked about on the bench. We, we have a guy like John Lewis, a guy like J.P. Purvis, a guy like Deshaun Page. They, they seem to be a little faster. But that's something you're going to have to address in recruiting and in the portal big time to take another step forward defensively. Well, I think they've they've done that, as, at least from a linebacker perspective. Jave Gilmore, um, uh, Khalid Moore, Don mm-hmm. Terry Russell, Avery Sledge. You hope Avery Sledge. That they've they've done a really good job of getting some more athletic, a little more swift players. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as secondary is concerned, I mean, Cameron Richardson has some good speed. I think he had a good game Matthews, last night. Yeah. The thing about the defense is I, I feel like, you know, this final score is kind of skewed. Mm-hmm. And I think there comes a point in a game where you just get get to the point where you're just like, God, the, you know, we've been busting our tail this entire ball game and we're not getting anything in return from the offense. Like, how much more can we do, you know? Yeah. Well, and, it, you just reach a point where you just – you're just tired and you know you're going to lose and you don't you're not quitting so much as I mean at some point you're just like I just don't want to get hurt out here. Yeah. And like you know if the offense is able to sustain some drives for this defense, I think this is a lot different. Mm-hmm. But when you're having quick possessions, the offense isn't scoring, coupled with the fact that state doesn't rotate very well on the defensive side of the ball, on that last touchdown they had the starters in the ball game. And they were completely gassed. Mm-hmm. That thirty-four yard run that yeah. that Georgia had. Essentially, you gave up fourteen points to Georgia in the first half. Mm-hmm. It was a win for Mississippi State's defense. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't have given up those three points because Nathaniel Watson had a, a fumble recovery. Mm-hmm. So essentially, you had given up fourteen points in that first half, and then you come out of the locker room and you you fail to make a tackle on um, Lad McConkey. And he breaks off that big run. So I, I mean, can't just, believe he's not related to Phil McConkey. Like, what are the odds? There there's, are there's two not that many white out there. wide receivers named McConkey that aren't related to each other. McConkey isn't like Smith or Jones. There That's aren't right. just a million of them running around. Yeah, incredible. They're not related. But yeah, this defense. I mean, people can statistically pull up the the numbers on the defense and say that they're they are a problem. But for the people that have actually watched, I mean, it's just it's impossible to blame the defense for anything that states had happened to them this year. Yeah, I agree. I'm interested to see, and, and like I said, you got these young guys. But you know, this weekend, I know some people are they're saying like, I can't wait to see more young guys this weekend. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, who I, knows? I, don't, I don't expect to see Sawyer Robertson before the fourth quarter. Me neither. I don't, and 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 then I don't even know how many passes they'll really give him. Um. And, and then defensively, I mean, you're just not seeing these young guys. So, I mean, they can play and redshirt. This is a week in all those guys you just mentioned need to be on the field. They need to get some snaps. We'll see if they do. Uh, let's see here. Number uh, number seven. I'm just going to say it, man. 
Just going to say it. I think we're about 375 days or so from, from a change. I just, I just, I don't see it. I, I don't see it. When I look to next season, eight home games. First off, the people who sell season tickets, I feel for them. Next year should be one of the easiest selling home season tickets we've ever had. Eight home games, including Alabama, LSU, and Ole Miss, and Southern Miss. I mean, that is a game that especially older fans really want to see. You got Arizona coming in, so that's an interesting non-conference game. You have Kentucky, obviously. That's a great home slate. Your road games are the three West teams you feel like year in, year out you can compete with, Auburn, A&M, Arkansas. And then you're at South Carolina. That's another winnable game. Everything on that schedule tells me that a team that brings back what State's supposed to bring back next year should win nine or ten games. But if we were doing our media poll today, I would tell you seven and five. Because I just don't have I just don't have any faith in Mike Leach at this point. So I, I don't either, but I, I I really, really believe that that changes if they beat Ole Miss. If they if they beat Ole Miss, that's I, I I'm trying to I'm trying to in my head come to the, come to a conclusion or if they beat Ole Miss, is it okay? Now we're moving in the right direction. Now you can have belief, you know, because I feel I still think at that point you need to win the bowl game. You really need to keep your momentum going. But mm-hmm. at nine and four, it's hard to complain. Right, it's really hard. Who, who can possibly complain if they go nine and four? Right, but at the same time, I'm just thinking: Is it really going to be different next year? No, I, I agree with you. It's kind of crazy that we're saying that, but I, I believe that people will be on board if they beat Ole Miss. I agree. But you start thinking about like, should one game really change things that drastically if you're if you're a fan? Right. I mean, I, I just but I think like, it does. I mean, I, I like I, I really believe it does because I think that's I the think biggest thing just... with Jackie and with Dan Mullen. The reason that people bought into them early is year one, Jackie beat Ole Miss. Mullen won the first three. You got to win that game. State fans I mean, are never going to support a coach fully who can't beat Ole Miss. They're just it's not. The, it's the only reason that Joe Moorhead had even a monocle of, of support. Yeah. Um, because he beat Ole Miss twice, and yeah. that, and people, you know, the, the only thing that was keeping the entire fan base from saying he's got to go mm-hmm. was the fact he won two of those games. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a very big. If he loses, there will be there will be hardly anyone on board. Right. And, I, yeah. Selling season tickets next year if if State loses the Egg Bowl. I mean, right now, the State's first game of the year next year. I'm pretty sure is their FCS game. That's their opener. If you lose the Egg Bowl, how many people are at that first game? You know it's going to be like 11 a.m. or maybe even worse, like 3 p.m. on Labor Day weekend, 110 degrees. Who's coming? Yeah. Who's coming to that game? So, I, I, I really believe that winning that Egg Bowl is the difference in the fan base getting on board and the mm-hmm. fan base jumping off. I agree. And I, I don't. if you lose that game, I don't think, I don't think you can get the fans back. Nah. I really don't. I mean, no, I, you, I mean, you would have to, in year four, go 10-2 and two and win the Egg Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. If you lost LSU and Alabama, okay, but you got to you better win every other game. Yeah, I, I don't think you're going to have any juice going in the off season if you even if you win a bowl game. I agree. Uh, speaking of the Egg Bowl, number number eight, <clears throat> we're going to start talking about the Egg Bowl this week. I have no time for East Tennessee State. Don't care. Better win big, but don't care. So just I be think prepared. we I think we did that last year. We too. did. Egg Bowl content starts tomorrow on this show. 
So get yeah. ready for it. We're going to bring you as much as I possibly can. Uh, number number nine. They're supposed to release the finalists for the Connerly Trophy today. Mississippi State's nominee should be Emmanuel Forbes. I'm going to be really disappointed if it's Will Rogers. Nothing against Will, but there's no, he's not the best player on this football team. He's not, and he has not played the best this year. He is he's not as he's not as good as he was a year ago. Simple as that. Shoot, I, I'll, it should I be might, Forbes. I might consider Tyrus Wheat. Wheat would be my second nomination. He he might not have the the numbers that mm-hmm. Forbes has, but I promise if you ask any coach that's played against Mississippi State so far who the best player is on mm-hmm. the defense, it's probably going to be Tyrus Wheat. Yeah, but Forbes is the guy for me. I, I he should be the nominee. If State nominates Rogers, that that's disappointing. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, that. You you, you got to pick your best player. You know, State yeah. picked Jeffrey Simmons yeah. in 2018. And that's a tough pick, right? You would have thought Fitzgerald yeah. would have been a choice. Montez Sweat could have been the choice. Abram could have been the choice. Hell, Elton Jenkins could have been the choice. He won the hole that year. But, you know, that's the way it's got to be. You got to pick Tyrus, your best guy. Tyrus is up to five sacks, yeah. seven hurries, two fumble recoveries. Play, had an interception last night or Saturday. And, he made, and, he, and the other interception he forced. Yeah. So. Um, I if it's Tyrus Weed or Emmanuel Forbes, either one, Good. I think you you've done a great. It's Rogers. I feel like you're just trying to pander a little bit. And by, it yeah. doesn't. By the way, I don't think it matters who state sends. It's either going to be uh, Quishon Judkins or, or Shadur Sanders. Those are the two. That's who's going to win the, the trophy. One of those two. Has, I, does, I would be has, surprised if it's not Sanders at this point, just because the publicity of Dion's kid winning it would be huge, and people think about that. Yeah. I would. I want to see. I, I think somebody posted it last week. Mm-hmm. How many times has Emmanuel Forbes had a ball thrown towards him this year? Not a lot. They got a completion on him last night. They got one. Like I would. I would venture to say that his interceptions are closer. The amount of interceptions he has are, are very close to the amount of completions he's he's given up. Yeah, it's, it's probably he's pretty get, close. Probably he has five picks. Like what are we th- what are we thinking? Like maybe eight or nine, ten completions against him. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know Pro Football Focus does those kind of numbers. I just don't have a subscription. I can't. I mean, maybe somebody can look it up. But I'd be willing to bet that he he almost has as many interceptions as a receivers had a catch against him. Yeah, you're probably isn't, not wrong. Isn't Darius Slay territory right now? You're probably not wrong. Just real quick, just. I hate that he's at Ole Miss, right? But I like to watch Quinshawn Judkins, right? Good player, really good player. He's all this Ole Miss. This Ole Miss team Mm -hmm. is not. They don't have a whole lot of guys on their team that you that a Mississippi State person would just yeah. No, they don't have the hateable characters that you've had in years past. They don't. I mean, I was thinking Jackson Dart was going to be a guy like that that State fans would just doesn't say anything. Doesn't do anything wrong. Yeah. You don't no, see him. He's not, he doesn't act real cocky. Like if you made me pick one guy on that team, I don't I just like, oh, okay, I know who it is. It's Malik Keith. Yeah, yeah, of course. That's the one. The Mississippi right? State guy. Right. So <laughs> Judkins, listen to these stats. These, these are these are interesting to me. Judkins has eleven hundred seventy-one yards rushing already, right? That's already second best all time single season at Ole Miss. Yeah, he, no, only, he just broke Deuce McAllister's touchdown well, record. I'm getting to that. I'm getting to that in a second. So he needs uh, 
He's got 1171. If he gets another 150 in these last two games, which you know he will, he will break the record held by K.O. Dotley, which has stood since 1949. Wow. 15-12. Yeah. You mentioned it a second ago. He now has 15 touchdowns on the season rushing. That's an all-time record at Ole Miss. He broke a record that was shared by four Rebels. Listen to these names. All right, Brandon Bolden is the odd man out. Brandon Bolden is a good player, but he's the odd man out. The other three are on their Mount Rushmore. K.O. Dotley, Archie Manning, Deuce McAllister. Yeah. That's who Judkins just broke the record. Judkins, if he, let's he's say, incredible. he's probably going to finish the year around 1,400 yards rushing, right? That means next year, if Zach Evans goes pro and Judkins is sort of the main guy, he'll probably break Deuce McAllister's career rushing record next year. Can 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 Zach Evans go pro? I think so. Isn't he a third? Is, is he I thought 21? he was a. I thought he was a sophomore. I think he's a junior. I, I could be wrong. He might be twenty one though. That's twenty one. Whenever you can go pro, I don't know. I don't know the answer. I, that's I, just baseball. I saw a draft. I saw a mock draft the other day that had him in it. Okay. So either way, that's not the guy. That not, I and that's from Dane Brugler. It's not from like one of some fly by night website. I would figure Brugler would know. Yeah, I, I did not expect Judkins to be the guy. No, he's incredible. He's fun to watch. And I, you, I, I, I think you best. mentioned it last night. Like, you know that dude's going to be hit, be getting hit behind the scenes by the big oh, boys. Yes. Yeah, Alabama and, and Auburn probably have already reached out to him. So, I mean, just like Jameer Gibbs was at yeah. Georgia Tech, yeah, I mean, somebody's no going to try to no try question to get him out. No question. Ole Miss is going to have to to work hard to keep him. Last one, kind of a funny. I think it's kind of a joke, but it might be true. There may be more working personnel in Davis Wade Stadium Saturday than fans. Like if we talk about like people working the concessions and security and the media and the MSU employees that are in there, maybe more of those people than just actual fans in the stadium. Yeah. I mean, if I said under 20,000, would you believe me? I think that's what it's going to be. It'd be, I mean, that's, that's 11 a.m. You know, that's such a hard, that's such a hard like pill to swallow. I think it's like, that be would COVID be a. Crowd. I mean, if you take away COVID, that would be the smallest crowd since probably Kroon. Oh, probably further back than that, to be honest with you. And I'm so torn on this, Brian, because in one hand, like, I, it's kind of like with basketball last year. It got to the point where I was just like, can you really blame people for not going? It's not right. exciting. Right. You know, that you know what's going to happen in the game. And that, that applies this week, too. Because you know states are going to come out and win that game by by forty five points. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I can't really blame people. Like right now, I can blame people for not going to see basketball because it should be exciting. There's no more excuses for that, and we'll get to that another time. But for this, and I, like I, you know, I'm I'm thinking too about you know all those Georgia fans that were there this week. Mm-hmm. What what's the what's the incentive for Mississippi State fans? At this point, what are you getting well, let's, in let's return? Let's talk about that. Let's let, 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 let's hold on, let, hold off on that for just a second, okay? Because we may have a disagreement coming up. Let's move on into the the rest of the show. That's brought to you by our friends over at the Mississippi Beef Council. Who want to remind you that beef, it's what's for dinner. Hey guys, if you go to msbeef.org uh, for the rest of the this the, these next few weeks, I believe they are doing their annual best steak and best burger in Mississippi contest. So go there. Place a vote for your favorite burger restaurant, your favorite steakhouse in the state of Mississippi, and get them the recognition that they deserve. Again, go to msbeef.org. You just take a quick little survey. I took it on Friday. It takes just moments, and you can get the vote in for your 
favorite place. msbeef.org. Beef, it's what's for dinner. Thanks to our friends at the Mississippi Beef Council. Two Brothers Smoked Meats in the heart of the Cotton District is the place to find smoked southern soul food. It's also the place, it's cold right now, so maybe that patio isn't exactly where you want to be. But inside, you know, it's a great time every single time. The food is fantastic. The people are awesome. And it's just the best restaurant, the best barbecue. And like I said, so many times before that, it's a lot more than just barbecue. It's smoked southern soul food at Two Brothers Smoked Meats. Great products and great service is something every business wants to tell you they have. Advantage Business Systems knows they have it, and they offer have been offering it to you for 47 years. That's the difference. 47 years of experience in taking care of their customers. You know they're telling the truth when they say the Advantage Business Systems difference is there. When your product, when you need new products for your business, when you need copiers, printers, laptops, and computers, you call Advantage Business Systems. And then if you need service, you get to talk to the same people who made you the sale. No call centers, no out-of-state consultants, just your neighbors here in the state of Mississippi. The number is 601-362-9192 or visit them online at absms.com. Find out how Advantage Business Systems will help your business do business. I'm just saying with with, with this Adidas stuff, this this holiday season, it's not what dad wants. I'm just trying to save y'all the trouble of dad. See, you know, as dads... We're used to disappointment on the holidays. It's just it's just a way of life. You know, soap on a rope, skin bracer, old spice. We've been dealing with it for generations. And I'm just telling you that when dad opens up that box and he opens it up and he sees it's a polo and all he can see is a logo from chest from chest to armpit to all the way down, he's gonna be like, Oh, thanks, I love it. And in reality, he's dead inside. Hashtag branding. So what I'm gonna tell you is this shop the rogue. Shop their collegiate collection, great-looking shirts, quality products, and the quality and the assurance that comes from shopping at one of the Southeast premier clothing stores. They've got the polos you want, the looks you want, the logos you want. It's all at The Rogue. Shop at The Rogue in Jackson or go to therogue.com. Don't live the three-striped life. Shop at The Rogue. It's time to talk about something important. Let's talk about something important. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. All right, a lot of you are probably thinking right now he's about to he's about to crush Leach. Going to get Will. Going to talk about the receivers. No, nah, I'm talking to y'all. I'm talking to y'all tonight. You know, for a long time, going back to the start of the six pack message board, a lot of people have said. What you're doing is bad for the program. The way you talk about the Mississippi State is bad. It hurts Mississippi State. And it's all a lot of self-sanctimonious bullcrap is all that is from people who just want to make themselves feel better. You know what hurts the Mississippi State football program? 15,000 Georgia fans in the stadium. That's what hurts the program. Fans who, when they got their season ticket package, looked at this game against the number one team in the nation and said, man, I can't wait to sell my tickets for that one. I can't wait to to make a little profit and then Mississippi State can have a stadium full of Georgia fans on the biggest game of the year. Mississippi State, and by the way, this is Coffee is for Closers. It's brought to you by our friends over at Strange Brew Coffee House. It would be weird, Robbie, if Brupolo was in any city other than Tupelo. 
I want to get back to what I'm saying. There you go. Mississippi State fans, by and large, they like to talk about winning. They want to, they want to, they want to, we want to win. Do you? Why did it take John Cohen getting kick, kicking you in, in the butt to get people to, to donate to the Bulldog Initiative? Don't tell me you hadn't heard about it. There's there's a big Jumbotron ad, literally every football game, with Dak Prescott on it. I know you saw it. But That's it took, a good point. That's a good it, point. That took, people don't want to hear that. It took John Cohen saying something to get people motivated. And even that motivation still has Mississippi State behind everybody else. And then in the biggest game of the year against the number one team in the nation, when, you know, we're family, we support our Bulldogs through thick and thin. And then when it's time to show up, what do I look across and see? More red and black than I have never seen that many visiting fans. Now, maybe it's, it's not fair because the crimson will blend in with the maroon and I can't tell who the Alabama fans are sometimes. But Robbie and I were both like, we have never seen it. And then you go to the fourth quarter when all the state fans bailed, and the east side is still pretty full because of all the Georgia fans. Now, I know about the faculty thing, and that's a topic for another day because, honestly, that's something that's got to change at Mississippi State, the way they handle that. that's We say it all the time. Like I know that my days are numbered in the press box on the 50. That's prime seating, right? People, You can be making money off that. you got to get the media out of there. That's fine when that day comes. The same goes for those seats down there. Those are the best lower-level seats you got. You need to be selling those to high-dollar people, not, not giving them away to people who are going to give them away to opposing fans. So Mississippi State fans get no coffee today. The ones who sold their tickets to the Georgia fans, you get no coffee. All 15,000. What, what was the announced attendance? That I, I didn't even look. Did you see? Mm-hmm. Let, me, let me pull the box up here. You know, you know what else I was told? There were there were people wearing Mississippi State stuff, uh-huh. handing out cowbells to Georgia fans. Okay, attendance uh, announced attendance is sixty thousand three hundred and fifty two. That means at best, at absolute best, because I may be I may be calling it short at fifteen k. There were forty five thousand Mississippi State fans in the stadium, less than there were for Texas A and M. And when you look at when you look at Auburn. You had a sold-out crowd yesterday. Great. Their program is complete disarray. It's, in, it's, it's really kind of – I mean, there's no excuse. And I, I've heard more excuses. And, again, this is the person that a few minutes ago said, you know, I don't blame people for not coming to games. Right. So I, I guess I'm being a little hypocritical here. But mm-hmm. um, I've heard so many excuses about why people don't come. Just say you don't come because you don't, like, you don't agree with Mike Leach or whatever. I mean, that's mm-hmm. fine, whatever. But it's the it's the fact that Georgia people had those tickets that's really frustrating. Right. There's got to be somebody out there as a Mississippi State fan that could get those tickets. Right. There's got to be a, a veteran out there on Military Appreciation Day that you could get those tickets to that really wants to go to a Mississippi State game. There's got to be somebody other than putting it on Ticketmaster or whatever and allowing a Georgia fan to scoop it up. There's got to be a better way. So a lot of but, people are going to tell you that uh... – that the Alab- the Auburn thing, you know, oh, well, they had a new coach and he's got everybody excited. And, and I get that. That's fine. No, it was like that when Brian Harson. Well, was that's the point I was going to make. Auburn's last home game under Brian Harson, a, a capacity at Jordan Hare is 
They had 83-8 at that game. And it wasn't, a, it wasn't just announced attendance. They've, no, that's they've how many had, they great had, crowds. had a great they've crowd. They've had great crowds. So Auburn fans have shown up all year for a terrible football team, much worse than Mississippi State. you got to make a decision. Are you in or are you out? You and know, I, I do. And, and this is people are going to get mad. They're going to be like, "It's easy for you to say you don't have to go to you. You get to go to the games for free." You're right. I do. You're right. I absolutely do get to go to the games for free. But I'm also not the one up here preaching family, and I'm not the one up here saying we want to win. The actions don't don't match the words, and and it, it's it's not it's not talk about it. It's be about it. That's where this this program kind of is. What moments, and to play and, and to play devil's advocate just a little bit. I mean, right, I'll listen. I think Mississippi State's got to put a better product on the field. They do. They got to have a they got to have a coach that really embraces the fan base and gets them involved. I think the, I think Dan Mullen did a great job of that. They had I can't remember how many it was, but they had like two or three two two or three straight years with like sellouts like every game when Dan Mullen was here. So that that was a guy that really, you know, fans even though they 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 didn't like him and how he how he called plays sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, he he was their a-hole. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's what people would say like he might be an a-hole but he's our a-hole. And I don't think people would just have that same connection with Mike Leach. You know, he kind of shows up and he wakes up at like 3 p.m., shows up to the press conference. Uh, ushers himself out and he doesn't really say anything in the form of we need a big crowd this Saturday we hope that you guys come there because mm-hmm. you guys are the difference you guys make the difference for us he's never said anything like that I don't think people really can get they really feel connection you're, to him. you're not wrong They've, you're not wrong he, he has done nothing to help that connection so I think but, you know I, th- I think it, it goes hand in hand I think Mississippi State fans have to decide you know this team's not playing well but I'm going to do my part yeah. That's what that's how that's how great fan bases do. Well, there's there's two things I want to say, and then I'll, we'll move on. Is that you're correct in that Leach hasn't said anything to help, but that connection needs to be deeper, right? We always talk about how people are always like they seem to like the employees more than the university. Yeah. The university should come first. It should be that's like right. I don't care who the coach is, I'm showing up. No, I that's, completely agree with you. That's a, I've I've always had that stance, you know, about the. And the people that will defend a coach like to no end, right? And they'll like they'll want to fight you and I mm-hmm. because we're talking about things that improve Mississippi State, while they while these people are propping up somebody that's going to be here, yeah. for short time period that has no connection and to then, this place. The other thing I want to say is this: Dan Mullen said one thing. He said a lot of good, true things in his time here. This was the truest one. It's not win and the fans come; it's the fans show up and then you win. You got you got to be in the stadium. So the fifteen thousand plus of you who sold your tickets to Georgia fans this week, no coffee for you. All right, in the SEC, you're going to enjoy this one, Robbie. It's got to be Kentucky, right? First off, shout out to that Vanderbilt uh, offensive lineman who did the TikTok. Great stuff. What did, he uh, do? did you not see? He did I don't the have uh, TikTok. Oh, he did the. So do you not know what the what happened kid is? I think I've I've seen or heard okay. that. He, he did that. He got the locker room. He's like, Kentucky, what happened? <laughs> and it's it's just funny. But 
Well, Robbie, I, we've been on the train all year. We've been driving the train. I think we finally made it to the station here. Don't give me any more of this Will Levis top 10 pick stuff. Just it's over. It's done. It's, it's over. over. That, that, Chris Rodriguez nearly saved them, but he couldn't. And Vanderbilt goes in there and beats Kentucky. I said it last week. I'll say it again. The Kentucky loss is a bad loss for Mississippi State. Kentucky is a bad football team. State should not have lost that game, but they did. We've learned everything we need to know about Will Levis with how they utilize him yes. at Kentucky. They do not trust him. They should be, he was, if you have a top 10 draft choice, you should be throwing the ball 40 times a game. They took they the don't. ball out of they take the ball out of his hands in key spots. They, they don't do. trust him. So Kentucky, no uh no coffee for you up there in Bluegrass country. And then nationally, it's gotta be Oregon, right? What a huge malfunction on their part. All they've got to do is, you know, beat Washington. They just gotta win out. They go they have a great chance to go to the college football playoff. And instead on fourth and one deep in their own territory with a backup quarterback in, they decide to go for it with less than a minute to go. And they don't get it. And then Washington just kicks an easy field goal and they win the game. What are you doing, Dan Lanning? What are you doing? I have no idea what's going on there. So just a miserable final minute of the game for Oregon. They're out of the college football. And now the Pac-12 is down to one. They have USC because UCLA lost uh, Saturday night as well. So Arizona at home. Arizona was is not a bad football team. State did good to get the win there. But now it's just down to USC in the Pac-12. So, All right. Like we said earlier, we are starting Egg Bowl coverage uh, this week. We'll talk about whatever Mike, Le- Mike Leach has to say, but we will start talking about the Egg Bowl, starting to look at some matchups. Obviously, you know, we'll have some Ole Miss guys here on the uh, on the podcast for beat writers and stuff. And then, of course, we will have some former players on to relive some great moments uh, in Egg Bowl's past. Looking forward to it for two weeks of Egg Bowl coverage here on the Thunder and Lightning podcast. Before we go, real quick, and we'll go into more detail. We'll we'll talk basketball in detail tomorrow. But yeah, I, I really want to get into basketball, man. I, I, There's I, so I, much to talk about. I'm gonna have to do the censored version of you would you would see on Major League if it was on like TNT or something. But uh, you know these guys, they ain't so bad. That's right. I'm not gonna go in on basketball fans not coming to the games, but the, you guys have got to get out there and see these two teams. They're they're, they're fun. Yeah, the women's team is, is good. The men's team is surprisingly good. Now, I don't know what that's going to mean when we get into the conference play. I'm not predicting a tournament appearance or anything like that. I'm just saying that the way they play is a breath of fresh air from a season ago. They, they play with a lot of effort. Jans is, is motivating those guys. Uh, I do believe our king, the king of the South, Brandon Walker, wants to come on this week and address you guys regarding basketball. He was obviously there in Philadelphia Friday uh, at the Barstool Invitational and got a, a bird's eye view of everything going on. And he has some thoughts on this program. So we, of course, will accommodate our King, Brandon Walker, and try to get him on with us this week. For Robbie Falk, I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Talk Mississippi Media Production.